in uh, God's economy, Scripture teaches us that we all need Him, that we desperately need Him, but the Scripture also teaches us that we desperately need one another, that we're better together. And as we conclude our Relationship Goals series uh, this morning, I want to talk about our relationships here. I want to talk about the church and God's intention for the body of Christ and the relationships that He wants us to foster in the midst of it. Uh, The reality is, as we thumb through the New Testament and as we read Acts chapter 2, we learn very quickly that we were created for community. And that's the title of this morning's message. We were created for relationship with one another in the body of Christ. That's why Jesus came. He came to create a redeemed community. A redeemed community of Forgiven followers that are connected at and by the cross. And yet as we survey the landscape of, of Christendom and the church, so many believers live isolated and lonely lives. Larry Richards wrote a book some years ago. It was called, the, and still is, The Friendless American Male. The Friendless American Male. And in that book, he said this. He said, in church we sit together and we sing together and we greet each other with a smile as we leave. We do all these things, sometimes for years. And I've even seen sometimes for a lifetime without forming any real personal relationships. He said, the church therefore becomes a place where Christians live alone together. God, not, let that not be us. Let that not be us. But for so many Christians, that is true. And if that's you this morning, let me say this. There is so much more to God's idea for church than just sitting in rows and listening to me preach every Sunday morning. And God created us. God created you for community. He created us. He created us to be an integral part of the body of Christ and in relationship with other believers. Paul told the Corinthians as he was walking through the body metaphor, you know, he says, you, you are the body of Christ. Some of your arms, some of your legs, some of us are eyes and ears and toes, but we're all the body of Christ. And the church, the body, needs every one of its parts to function in a healthy way, the same way that we need every one of our parts to function in a healthy way. Paul said, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you, he said, is part of of it, a vital part of it. And a lot of folks don't experience community, if you will, in church because they've got this dream of what they think church should be. They've got this picture in their mind of what church people should look like. And they not only apply that to other people, they also tend to apply that 
to themselves. And when the reality of what church really is, a bunch of fallen followers of Jesus, imperfect, just trying to get through each day together, when the reality of that clashes with their dream of what church should be, they disconnect. And they often label everybody in the church a hypocrite. And they separate themselves from God's design for their lives. You know, when I was, uh, before I was really even born, uh, my parents went to church. And uh, by the time I came along, they didn't go to church. And I, I never went to church. I never attended church until I was married at 26 years old. So my entire life was spent outside the church. And do you know why that is? Because my dad was hurt by the church before I was even born. And he made up his mind that everybody in every church was a hypocrite and he was not going to be part of it. And for that reason, I was never exposed to the gospel growing up. I mean, I'm sure I heard it on late night TV with some big haired evangelist, you know, or something of that nature. But I didn't pay any attention to it. I was never exposed to what biblical community is and the beauty of the body of Christ and what God intends for it. Let me challenge you, man. If, if, if you were hurt by church, whether you saw it as a child or, or whether it's been recent in your life, God has a place for you in the body of Christ. He has a place for you in the body of Christ. Don't let what you've seen and what people have done in the past determine the trajectory of your future and your relationship with the beautiful body of Jesus Christ. I love this. One of the things that, uh, one of the quotes that has stuck with me since I read it for the very first time, Diedrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book called Life Together. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor who uh, was in the resistance against uh, Hitler, ultimately imprisoned and, and ultimately hanged uh, by the Nazis for his resistance uh, uh, against Hitler. Um, how many of you have read, or anybody, the book Life Together by Diedrich Bonhoeffer? It's a phenomenal book. He also wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, which is just amazing. But Bonhoeffer says this um, of community. And the church. He said, when the morning mists of dreams vanish, these dreams of what we think church should be, how we think people in church should act, that they're never going to offend us, that, that they're never going to say the wrong thing, that, that they're never going to be weak and frail. How about we put that burden on ourselves? My gracious. When the morning mist of dreams vanishes, he says, then dawns the bright day of Christian fellowship. When we come to a place of disillusionment, Bonhoeffer says, with the church, our true understanding of Christian fellowship actually begins. Listen to this. He says, God hates visionary dreaming. Okay, in our culture today, in the church and in, in the megachurch movement and everything, it is all about visionary dreaming. And if you're not a visionary dreamer, as far as a leader, you don't fit in that culture. Thousands of books are written about it today. Bonhoeffer says God hates visionary dreaming. 
He said it makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. He said he enters the community of Christians with his demands, sets up his own laws, and judges the brethren and God himself accordingly. Listen to this. I have seen it so many times in my 25 years of pastoring. He says, when his ideal, when the dreamer's ideal picture is destroyed, when the church isn't what he thinks it should be, he becomes first an accuser of his brothers and sisters, then an accuser of God, and finally the despairing accuser of himself when he disconnects himself from God's intention to be related to the body of Christ. Bonhoeffer goes on to say this, He says, because God has already, listen to this, this is profound. Because God has already laid the only foundation of our fellowship. Because God has bound us together in one body with other Christians in Christ. You're not here by accident. Before the foundation of time, God ordered your steps to have you in this place and part of this body of Christ if you've made a commitment to this church with other Christians in Jesus Christ. Long before we entered into life with each other, we entered into that life not as demanders, but as thankful recipients of this community. He says, we thank God for giving us brothers and sisters who live by His call, by His forgiveness, and by His promise. We do not complain of what God does not give us. We rather thank God for what He gives us daily. Let me ask you something this morning. When it comes to church, and when it comes to this community, if you're part of this church, are you a thankful recipient? And it's all about our perspective. It's all about our state of mind when it comes to the body of Christ. This is not just something to attend. Folks, God never intended for church just to be something that you attend. The body of Christ is something that you are literally part of. Are you a thankful recipient? Or are you a demanding dreamer? Thankful recipients celebrate what's right. Demanding dreamers focus on what's wrong. Thankful recipients experience true community. Demanding dreamers are critical of their community. They miss the point entirely of why we're here. They forget that we're all fallen. They forget that we're all frail. They forget that we're all saved by a Savior who gave His life for us to be part of this community. And let that sink in. That's not church as usual. That's not an hour on Sunday and then lunch. It's a real deal. As a follower of Jesus Christ, if you made a commitment by faith, And been forgiven by the grace of God because of the work of Christ on the cross, man. You enter into, you're literally baptized, the Bible tells us, into His body, which is His church. And you are part of it. In Acts chapter 2, 
following Jesus' ascension. If you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn with me there now. Acts chapter 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Just after Jesus' ascension to the right hand of the Father, he tells the disciples to wait in the upper room uh, for the gift that is to come. He told them he's not going to leave them as orphans. And uh, the Holy Spirit enters like a rushing wind, if you'll remember. Uh, They become filled with the Spirit. They move out of the upper room uh, into Jerusalem on Pentecost. Peter preaches the first sermon ever by the the disciples and the apostles. 3,000 people give their lives to Christ, recognize Him as the coming Messiah in that message that, that Peter delivers and the first church is born. And Luke, writing here, historically and really from a historical perspective, he gives us a beautiful picture of how this new community came together, this new community that we call the church, the body of Christ, and how it functioned. And I think before we dive into this passage, it's important for us to notice as we move through these principles in Acts chapter 2 that Christian community is not a program of the church. Christian community is not small groups in the fall. Okay? That's an environment to help us foster what God has called us to when it comes to biblical community. But Christian community was never intended to just be a program of the church. Christian community, biblical community, is to be a pattern of life. It's holistic. It's not an hour on Sunday. Christian community, living in community, giving and receiving from other followers of Christ is a lifestyle. Not something we do an hour or two a week or on Wednesday night only in small group. It's a lifestyle. We're to live it. And if nothing else, I think that's what rises from the pages of Scripture in Acts chapter 2. Biblical community, the community that God created us for, is not something that happens just because we come to church. And as we grow in relationship with Jesus, biblical community becomes a permeating pattern in our lives. And that's what we see here after these 3,000 people come to Christ and the church begins to develop. True community is the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit experienced as we stop demanding that the community meet our needs and turn our attention to the needs of others. In other words, the church is not about you. It's not about me. And we've been in a movement for 20 years to soft-sell the church, to try to get people who would regularly not come to church to come into church. And we've done that by trying to give them everything we think they want. Is that the way God operates? What if I get everything? What if your kids got everything they wanted? Not a pretty picture. The church is not about us. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. 
The church is about us as followers of Christ dying to ourselves and emulating the life of Jesus. But we lure people in oftentimes with just the opposite and then it's hard to make the turn. True community is the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. As we stop demanding that the community meet our needs and turn our attention to the needs of others. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the church no longer exists for you. Wait a minute, Phil. God just put this on my heart this week. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the church no longer exists for you. You become the church. Are you with me? Some people, I think that they don't, they don't put this together. Man, when we become followers of Jesus, we become His church. We become those who serve others. The church doesn't exist for us. We exist to serve as the church. And a big part of that is what builds biblical community. A big part of that is the tie that binds us together when we're willing to sacrificially serve one another and reach beyond the walls of this church and serve others. I want to walk through Acts chapter 2 for the rest of the time that we have together. And I want to look at a few things that are required for biblical community to actually flourish. A few community principles. First and foremost, and I can't beat this drum enough. I've talked about it in this this series over and over again on relationships. But biblical community requires commitment. It requires commitment. Luke says they devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the body of Christ, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They were all in. Let me ask you something. Have you devoted yourself first to Christ? Have you made a commitment, acknowledged your sin, and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? And if so, have you then devoted yourself to His church? Or is this just all kind of a casual commitment for you? And as you thumb through the pages of Scripture, there is nothing casual about our commitment to Christ, certainly. Nor is there anything casual about our commitment to His church. People died to get us to where we are today because they didn't have a casual commitment to the body of Christ. They were willing to stand under extreme pressure to represent Christ and for it to continue to grow and to move, and it did. And Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to pick up your cross. You've got to follow me. You've got to die to yourself, and you've got to make an all-in commitment, first and foremost, to Jesus, which includes a commitment to his church. And without commitment, there is no biblical community. If we're not committed to this community, which is us, then we're not committed to to one another and there is no true community. True community is cultivated in the soil of commitment. And for that to prosper, 
a mature commitment must be made to a specific body of Christ. The New Testament is local church-centric. So what do you mean by that, Phil? The New Testament is about the local church in different communities. In Corinth, in Philippi, in Ephesus. You keep, all the letters that Paul wrote are local churches. And for biblical commitment to foster, to be fostered and to flourish, each follower of Jesus Christ must make a specific commitment to a local church. It's fascinating today. I, I found people, they'll go to four different churches in one month. And it's a lifestyle. I'm, I'm not talking about just a few. I'm talking about it is a dominant reality here in North Fulton County. You know, one Sunday they'll stay home in their pajamas and they'll watch it on TV. The next Sunday they'll go down here and fight the traffic. The next Sunday they'll go over there because the traffic was too heavy and it took them too long to get. And I mean, you know, or the, we like the youth deal over here, we like the kids deal over here, we like this here, this here, and this here. That is never the way God intended it. I mean, pick a church. You can't be a fully functioning part of the body of Christ unless you pick a church. Figure out, pray through, where does God want you to be? Where does He want your family to serve and to be part of the body of Christ? It's not so much that you suffer because of it, but I believe you do. The church suffers. Because in God's sovereignty, He's placed you and He has intended for you to be in a specific community of believers. And for that community to flourish and for there to be authentic biblical fellowship there, you've got to make a commitment. You've got to show up and you've got to be part of it. Community requires commitment. Second, community requires sacrifice. Sacrifice. None of these things are easy. All the believers were together, Luke tells us. They were together, were better together. And they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Say, wait a minute, Phil, come on now. You know, this passage is not saying that we all shave our heads, grow gardens together and hang out at the airport. That asked too much for me, man. I mean, whew, this whole communal thing. Man, the transferable principle here is that we're to unselfishly share our lives with one another as the church. To share our time, to share our resources, to share our patience, to share our love. We're to be sharers of this beautiful life that Christ has given us. And does that kind of thing still happen today? You better believe it does. Man, just this week, I see this all the time behind the curtain here at the church. That, that there has never been a time when I have presented a legitimate need, no matter how large, to this church community, that that need has not been met. And we presented some big needs. I mean, you guys are amazing when it comes to stepping up and meeting the needs of others in this community and in Roswell as a whole. Just this week, we got a phone call from uh, a man we didn't know. He's a handicapped fella in the 
in the community here in Roswell. Um, we'd never spoken with him before. Uh, he had hurt himself, broken his leg, um, was having trouble getting around, and uh, said his knee was like, I mean, his, uh, his grasp was like knee high. And we had anybody who could help him. You know, he said he had called a bunch of churches and hadn't had any luck. And so we passed that on to our men's ministry. And two days later, you know, guy shows up from the church here over at his house, lawnmower in the back of the truck, and gets out there and, and you know, bit off a little more than he could chew, he found out. But uh, got out there, mowed the guys along. Guy was, I couldn't have been more thankful. And that is the overflow of Christian community. Just this week, we had... Uh, a single mom with four kids uh, about to be evicted uh, out of where she was living. Uh, we financially, in a big way, ended up helping her to, to transition and to, to try to get back on her feet. That's Christian community. That's biblical community. That's sacrifice flowing out of this body and into the community, and that's what God calls us to do. We had one of our grandmothers here in the church uh, volunteer to babysit so that one of our younger couples could attend Reengage, which is a marriage ministry that starts tomorrow night. That's commitment. That's sacrifice. I'm talking about 16 weeks every Monday night. You know, you're leaving your house, you're going to somebody's house to babysit their kids, put them to bed. All that. That's sacrifice. Community requires sacrifice and it only happens when believers understand that we're not called to be consumers of the church but contributors to it and we live in a consumer society our modern church today has turned into a consumer driven church but the problem is consumers value low cost comfort and convenience Consumers value exactly the opposite of what Christ calls us to. Community values and requires sacrifice. Contributors to that community value faithfulness, selflessness, and service. It's all about others and what we can give. Let me ask you something. Which one are you, really, when it comes to the church, when it comes to biblical community? Are you a consumer or are you a contributor? Jesus was the greatest contributor to ever live. He gave everything he had that we might be part of this. Contributors create community. But it requires commitment, it requires sacrifice, and it requires consistency. All relationships require those three things. Acts 2.46 says, Every day, these new believers, this new body, this, this new community, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Anytime you see the words every day or daily or day after day, in the New Testament, that means that it was a lifestyle for those believers. They were consistent in their commitment to it. How consistent are you in your commitment to the body of Christ and the relationships that you have here? These are hard questions. 
It's a busy world. We've got stuff to do. And this is the most important thing this side of heaven. What Christ died to create for us in this environment. His body. Don't let it be tertiary. Don't let it be on the periphery of your life. Prioritize your commitment to community in the body of Christ. And be consistent with it. Community also requires authenticity. Man, it requires us to be real. Not to just show up with a Sunday face on. Not to pretend. Not to pat each other on the back and then go about our way on Sunday. Luke says they broke bread in their homes. Man, these folks were intimately connected. They were in one another's homes. They ate together. Something beautiful about breaking bread with other people. They had glad and sincere, open hearts. They were real. They were intentional about developing relationships. And they were authentic with one another. Breaking bread together, sharing meals, getting to know other folks beyond this environment. That's my challenge to you. Invite somebody to lunch. Invite somebody here you don't know to lunch. Say, hey, you know, I'd like to get to know you guys. And then, you know, if nothing else, you get to know a little bit more about them. Not everybody jails and, you know, and, and you know, runs off in the sunset together. But God's called us to get to know different folks and to value the differences in the body of Christ. Invite somebody to dinner. And get to know them. Open your life to them. And watch them open their life to you. Community requires authenticity. And then when it happens, when God brings it together and we're obedient to Him, true community is contagious. People want to be part of it. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, Luke says, and the Lord began to add to their number daily those who were being saved. It's appealing. People want to belong. They want to be part of something that's bigger than they are. Deep in the heart of every human being is a desire to belong, to be loved, and to be part of a bigger story. Every person, no matter how hard the exterior. And when the Spirit of God creates a community that reflects the character of God, you cannot keep the people away. God created us for community. He created us to be contributors to, not consumers of, the kingdom. And when we do church right, when we do community right, it is irresistible to those who long to belong. I want to close with this challenge. It's a scriptural challenge from the Apostle Paul this morning. Romans chapter 12. Paul says, Be devoted to one another in love. He says, Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. He said, Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. And share with the Lord's people who are in need. 
is this. Practice hospitality. And we were created for community. God, that we would make a commitment, a devoted, willful decision to be an integral part of it. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for the church. Lord, there is so much more to it than meets the eye. So much more, Lord, that you intend for it than, than we can comprehend. I pray, Father, though, at the forefront of our hearts and minds, we would remember that, that Jesus died, that we might be part of his body. He gave his all, Lord, to give us an opportunity to give ours. And Father, as we move forward, may we be intentional about developing deeper relationships within this church so that we can reach those beyond these walls. And I pray that prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.